Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adulthood. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show offers compelling stories of those who found relief and offers insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. Electrical stimulation for the treatment of pain has been around in every culture for thousands of years. In 9000 BC, bracelets and necklaces of magnetite and amber were used to prevent headache and arthritis. Ancient Egyptians used electric catfish for headaches, and the Romans used the electrical discharge from torpedo fish to treat gout. In today's half hour, we're going to talk about neurostimulation, a technique that uses electric impulses to relieve pain. We'll hear a riveting story from Adam Hammond, a former member of the U.S. Army Golden Knights parachute team, about how a nerve stimulator restored his life after hitting the earth at 45 miles an hour during a skydiving accident. One of the world's leaders in neurostimulation, Dr. Giancarlo Berlat, will then shed light on how these pain pacemakers for the spinal cord actually work. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. We're talking with Adam Hammond, who at 26 plunged to the earth at 45 miles an hour when his parachute failed to open while skydiving. What happened when you were skydiving that one day? The skydive went normal. There was nothing wrong with the jump. But my parachute opened faster than normal. And what it did was put stress on the line. Everything seemed to be fine. But when I put the parachute into a dive to land, the line stressed so much that um, I had problems flaring my parachute out. And what happened was it slammed me into the ground at approximately 45 miles per hour. What were you feeling at that time? Had this ever occurred before? No, not to me. Um, instinct took over, I guess. I tucked up to the ball and, and turned my body to the right to take the impact on the right side of my body instead of taking it at the front of my body, which probably would have killed me instantly. I mean, it seems like you're, you were lucky to be alive. Yes, sir. Did anyone expect you to live after that accident? No. I had a severed femoral artery and a torn aorta, so the doctors told my parents not to expect me to recover from this at all. In addition to those injuries, what happened to your back? when you plunged to the ground at 45 miles an hour? I had shattered my lower back, everything from the L4 through my sacrum, and there was a lot of nerve damage done. They didn't even think I'd walk again. So after the accident, you were immediately uh, sent to the hospital? Yeah, as soon as I hit the ground, um, they had an air, um, an air medevac en route. So about 30 minutes after I hit the ground, um, a helicopter had landed and uh, had me en route back to a trauma unit. Tell me a little bit about the um, the kind of pain that you experienced due to the surgeries and then after that. It was always a constant pain. I Nothing ever got rid of it. Um, it felt like someone was constantly sticking a sharp knife 
into my tailbone and lower back. And the more I moved, the, the more someone kept stabbing me. It was the most painful thing I've ever dealt with in my life. I was stuck into a wheelchair for about a year, and if we were going anywhere farther than a quarter of a mile, I couldn't walk farther than a quarter mile, so I had to rely on a wheelchair as well. What type of limitations or, or uh, life changes did you encounter in terms of relationships with your family, with your friends, spiritual changes, for example, as a result of the pain that you were experiencing? Well, I've always been a real spiritual person, and I've got the best family and the best friends in the world. Um, it didn't matter what my life was like before the accident or after the accident. Um, my friends were there, and I think that was a big part of me getting better was the support system that I had. Did you have a pivotal person in your life that sustained you through the accident and through the pain? Probably uh, both of my parents. And what did they do to help you get through it? I couldn't be left alone for the first part of my recovery just because I couldn't even move myself. So they were always there right beside me every single day just to make sure I was getting the care that I needed. I've talked to several patients with pain, and a lot of them describe de depression and anxiety and isolation and a lot of emotional upset that occurs as a result of having pain. Did you experience any of these uh, feelings? In my life as I knew it was, was over. I was living on a couch, uh, well, from bed to couch every single day for about a year. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with in my life. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. When we return, we'll hear how Adam's life was given back to him by a surgically implanted device called a neurostimulator, a small machine that uses electrical impulses to prevent the transmission of pain signals to the brain. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Tell us about this neurostimulator that transformed your life. I finally found um, a wonderful doctor through um, my back doctor um, in Charleston, West Virginia, named Dr. Tim Deere, and he had this device that uh, was getting ready to come out called the Eon Mini and thought that I was a great candidate for implantation. And um, I went through a three-day trial period just to see if that kind of device would work for me, and I saw results immediately from when they turned that device on. Could you describe what it is that you were trialed with? The trial device is um, basically an external version of the, uh, the main device, and it's just a battery pack that you would wear around a belt and there's uh, two little wire leads running up into um, my spinal cord for where my pain was. And uh, I had it for about three days, and I could turn it on and off and adjust the power settings as well. And um, after the three-day trial period, I came back down to see the doctor, and he asked how it went. If it weren't well, they would take out the device right there in the office, and that was not painful at all. And uh, after I told him what I was feeling with this device, he thought I'd be a great candidate for the uh, the regular device. So the device is sort of like a pacemaker, but for chronic it's a pain. It's pacemaker for um, your spinal cord, basically. It's called a spinal cord stimulator, correct? Yes, sir. So you had the trial, and it was successful in the sense that it reduced your pain in the low back and the tailbone area specifically? Absolutely. From just the trial period, I was walking twice as far and sitting twice as long 
in those three in that three day period with just the trial device. Wow, that is incredible. Do you feel like it sort of gave you your life back? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I was implanted with the regular device on August fifth of two thousand eight, they turned the device on a couple days after I had it implanted, just uh, to make sure that all my wounds had healed from the surgery. But uh, from when the time that they turned that on, and then from the checkups, and then adjusting the power settings as I needed it to. I had my life back immediately to the point where I was able to do rehab the way I wanted to do rehab. I could lift weights the way I wanted to lift weights. I uh, went back to college, and this past uh, February, I started skydiving again. I imagine that you were pretty depressed after the accident, and you mentioned that your life was over. How did you feel after the neurostimulator was implanted? After I had the device, all the depression was gone because that device had given me my life back. There was absolutely no limitations that I have now that I didn't have before. So I could do everything I could before the accident I can now. So that depression just flew right out the window as soon as I could start walking again without pain. When you had experienced pain and you were in a wheelchair, were you able to talk to others who had similar pain and learn from them and gain hope from them? There is a network out there, but I had not known about this network until after I was implanted with the device. So. If I had any advice for anyone that has going through chronic pain right now, it's it's go to the National Pain Foundation's website, and there is so many people out there that are living people living with chronic pain. I've went through three or four different doctors before I found the right one, and each doctor that I went to said that they were the best in the field and that they didn't think there's anything else they could do for me. I didn't take no for an answer. I I continually seeked out. Um, different doctors for different help, and I, I basically took my pain into my own hands. Don't take no for an answer. Take your pain into your own hands and, and seek out those doctors and those other support networks to help you get through this. Fantastic. Well, listen, Adam, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Your story is inspirational, and I'm delighted to hear that your life has been transformed and that you're once more quite functional and able to set goals for yourself. And in fact, I believe you're uh, attending law school soon. Is that right? Uh, Yes, next year. Fantastic. Well, good luck to you. And thank you again for uh, being with us. All right. Thank you very much, sir. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. When we come back, we'll hear from Dr. Giancarlo Berilat, one of the world's leaders in the field of neurostimulation. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. Dr. Giancarlo Berilat is a neurosurgeon at the Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center in Denver, Colorado, who specializes in neurostimulation. Dr. Berilat is one of the world's leaders in the field. He's performed over 7,000 neurostimulation procedures over the span of 32 years, and has authored over 70 medical articles and book chapters. He's the medical director of Berilat Neuroscience, one of the largest practices in the country, and is director-at-large of the International Neuromodulation Society. Dr. Berilat, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Berilat, will you tell us about the general term neurostimulation and what that means? Neurostimulation means that we are applying uh, electricity to the nervous system, either the brain, 
the spinal cords or, or the nerves, and we do this through devices that we implant directly on those parts of the nervous system. Many of us are afraid of electricity because high doses can be very painful or even deadly, but this never happens with neurostimulators. First of all, the doses are extremely small. Second, we can regulate the output of the device to match exactly the needs of the patient. Sometimes people might get little jolts, but that's acceptable. Will you describe the parts of the neurostimulator device? There's two basic parts. One is the electrode, is the conductor. So you have to have something that generates the electricity, and that's called the pulse generator. So the pulse generator contains the, the electronics and the battery, and then you have the electrode that connects the pulse generator to uh, the uh, nervous system. Is everything surgically placed underneath the skin? Once the system is implanted, everything is under the skin. Uh, the person that has an implant would not know that there's something in their body. When do you feel patients should consider neurostimulation? Neurostimulation is usually not the first line of defense against severe pain. But I would say that a stimulator usually is considered for people that have a long-standing pain that is not likely to go away and where the pain affects the lives substantially. I think that a stimulator should be considered uh, after somebody has had severe pain that has not responded to other treatments for maybe a few months. The problem is that I see people that have had for years or decades before they're considered for the stimulator, and that might be too late. Indeed, many of us who implant neurostimulators wait for other therapies to fail before offering this treatment. Do you feel that we should offer neurostimulation earlier? In the current thinking, uh, one would want to see somebody be on narcotics for a long time before considering a stimulator. But I don't think that that should be the case. Uh, I think that particularly for young people, taking narcotics for years is very, very damaging to the body, probably more, much more than what a stimulator would do. Uh, And so I think that a stimulator should be offered earlier in the process. There are several FDA-approved uses for neurostimulation, like low back pain and shooting leg pain, uh, failed back surgery syndrome, complex regional pain syndrome, and multiple back surgeries. In your experience, how effective do you feel this device is in relieving pain? The yield of, of spine surgery helping decreases dramatically with a number of surgeries. And there are some situations where actually a stimulator should be considered instead of back surgery. There are situations where somebody is suffering from severe sciatica, which is not due to a herniated disc or a pinched nerve, but is due to the fact that the nerve is irritated. In those instances, surgery very seldom helps where a stimulator could be a major help. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. When we continue, we'll get Dr. Baralat's guidance on the difficult decision between neurostimulation and spinal surgery. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics 
a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. paulchristomd.com. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're joined by Dr. Giancarlo Berlat, one of the world's leaders in neurostimulation. As a neurosurgeon, you're in a fantastic place to advise patients on whether they should consider spine surgery or the neurostimulator, given that you do both procedures. What is your particular suggestion for those who are really struggling with this decision? Most neurosurgeons don't really understand the difference between what we call the the regular pain, which means that something is pushing on the nerve, versus what we call neuropathic pain, which means that there is an electrical short in the nerve. Because I do both spine surgery and I also deal with the neuropathic pain, I'm often in a good position to counsel the patients. Uh, But I would say that if somebody has a lot of pain going down the leg and a substantial part of that pain is felt as a burning pain, that person is more likely to do better with a stimulator than with spine surgery. That's really helpful information. Dr. Berlat, will you walk us through the process from the moment a patient enters your office until the neurostimulator is implanted? I spend a lot of time with the patients. Many times these are difficult situations. It's a last hope. So I want to make sure that I understand not only the type of pain that they have, but also the person itself. If I think that the person is a candidate for a stimulator, uh, then we send them for a test trial because even though I can kind of predict if the stimulator is going to help or not, we need to prove whether it's going to help or not and how much is going to help. The test trial consists of implanting the electrodes uh, for a, a week or 10 days. The electrodes are implanted temporarily. They come out through the skin. So during that stage, there is something coming out through the skin. And, and the patients can get a feel for what the stimulation is doing for them and can decide whether the help that they get is um, enough to warrant the next step, which is the surgical implantation. And what happens at the end of the trial? So at the end of that week trial, uh, the leads are pulled, and then if the patient uh, responds uh, positively, then we schedule them for the second stage, which is the surgery, where the electrode and the pulse generator are implanted, one under the skin and the other one in the spine or on the nerves. And that's typically, that's a surgical procedure. It has to be done in a sterile environment and uh, uh, most of the time in the operating room. Some of my patients are afraid that a lack of pain will mask a worsening of their condition. What do you think? No, that's, that's not true. So if somebody has a worsening of their condition, uh, they will have a different pain and they will know that things are getting worse. Dr. Giancarlo Berlat, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Paul. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. 
Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Neurogesics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. Follow Aches and Gains on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is also available live online. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. This is a question from Drew in Charleston, West Virginia. I had spine surgery in my low back two years ago. I now have pain in my low back, shooting down my right leg. It's worse when I stand up and try to lift anything. I'm taking Motrin and doing physical therapy, which my primary care doctor told me to do. It helps, but not enough. Dr. Christo, what can I do next? Drew, you have what experts call failed back surgery syndrome. It's not a real good term because it doesn't mean that the surgery failed you. You may have needed the surgery to stabilize your spine. It really means that you have persistent low back and leg pain from degenerative changes to the spine, the discs that cushion the spine, or from spinal cord or nerve irritation. I'm glad to hear that you're doing physical therapy because it's important to strengthen the muscles of the low back and abdomen. Have yourself evaluated by a pain physician or spine surgeon. Things to consider would be specific medicines for nerve pain like Neurontin, Lyrica, or Pamelor, nerve blocks, epidural steroid injections, and even later, neurostimulation or spinal cord stimulation. This is a question from Darlene in Raleigh, North Carolina. For the past few years, I try to keep myself active, but it seems like I keep getting a lot of pain all over my body. Some days, I don't seem to get much done. I have high blood pressure, thyroid disease, arthritis, especially in the knees, asthma, and low back pain. I'm on too many medications. Besides water aerobics and exercising, is there something else I can do? Darlene, absolutely. Knee arthritis can be helped with injections of steroid every three months or so. Hyaluronic acid or synvisc injections into the knee is an approved treatment and the data suggests benefit. It's usually three to five injections total. A device called a TENS unit can be helpful for low back pain. You place small electrodes on your skin and the device provides painless doses of electricity. Behavioral therapy or pain psychology has also shown to be useful for low back pain. This is a question from Ellen in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I've recently been treated for arthritis using leeches. The results have been fantastic. After an inexpensive treatment with a very experienced leech therapist with a certification from Russia, I'm having incredible relief on my wrists. I'm having no side effects and have been told to expect continued relief for months, perhaps as long as a year. Have you heard of this treatment and what do you think? Ellen, I'm not familiar with leech therapy for arthritis, although there are reports of pain relief from patients in Europe. I think it's believed that the saliva of the leech has pain-relieving qualities, that is, anesthetic, analgesic, and histamine-like properties that reduce pain. I'm happy that you're getting relief. I would just caution you or anybody using leeches to make sure that you understand any side effects that people report with this therapy. In other words, try to make sure that it's safe. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. 
please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vohr and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.